Matthew 8, 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This man who was a Gentile, he was not even a covenant man, Jesus said had greater faith than his own covenant people had. And it's because he understood the authority of the spoken word. He understood uh, the, the authority of uh, the commanding authority of words because he was a man under authority. He had people above him and he, had, uh, he was in authority over people below him. And because he was a military man, he understood that when he told somebody to go do something, they went. When he, they told him to come, they came. And he recognized the authority in Jesus' words. So that's, uh, that's why Jesus was marveled uh, at his faith and said, even this Gentile man understands authority and how it works. And he understands the uh, authority of the spoken word. Uh, I'll briefly just kind of recap what we talked about last time. The word authority means lawful permission to execute power or ability to bring judgment or justice for something or against something. Now, um, we talked about God put all things in, subject, in subjection under man's feet. Hebrews 2, 6 and 7. Uh, God set man over the works of his hands. He gave man dominion over the earth. Jesus took upon himself the body of a man and he came to earth as a man and put all things under his feet. Now last time I talked a little bit uh, about uh, the earth lease and uh, about um, it appears that God gave man a 6,000 year lease on the earth. We looked at 2 Peter 3.8 that says, Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And like I said then, you cannot apply that scripture everywhere in the Bible you see the word day because it won't fit. But we know that God, God gave man a six-day work week. God had a six-day work week and he rested on the seventh when he created the heavens and the earth. And he's given man a six-day work week with a day of rest. Now... We said that on day six of creation, man, God created man in his own image. 
And six, we know the number six in the Bible represents man. And that's where the number 666 comes from in Revelation. It says it's the number of man, which is the, the number of the Antichrist. Uh, you know, during the tribulation, people that will have to take the mark of the beast, it refers to 666 as the number of man. Uh, so six in the Bible represents man. And on day six of creation, God created man in his own image and likeness and gave him authority and dominion over the earth. We said that most Bible scholars um, that are truly born again and they believe that the Word of God is inspired by God believe that these were six 24-hour days and not 1,000 days not 1,000 years for each day. Now let's turn to one, one other scripture that I didn't mention last time. Uh, Genesis 6. And it will give us a little more light on this. Um, Genesis 6.3 And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now we use this verse when we talk about longevity um, for God's people. And I believe uh, that is true. I believe this verse has a, a double reference or a double meaning. Sometimes uh, we refer to these things as the law, a double reference. Uh, there some scriptures in the Bible have more than one meaning. I believe this does apply to 120 physical years uh, lifespan that God uh, ordained for man. But um, I also believe it can have another another meaning as well as physical years. Now, and it will shed some light on the earthlies. Now, we know uh, from the Old Testament that every, every 50 years was the, called the Jubilee. God said every 50 years you will have a Jubilee year. And that is when, uh, like, property was reverted back to the original owner and slaves were freed. And it was, it was called the Jubilee year. Jesus referred to it in Luke 4 when he talked about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and so forth. And the very last thing he said was to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the year of Jubilee. And Jesus was the Jubilee. He was the Jubilee that came came and uh, manifested himself in the flesh. And so, if you take, if you take uh, here in this passage where it says, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, if you take these 120 years as jubilee years, if you take that and you multiply it by 120, That makes 6,000 years. So, we believe, Bible teachers 
also believe this can have another reference, that these could be not only physical, 120 physical years for man, but if you consider these years to be jubilee years, it says God has given to man, his, his day shall be 120 years. So if these are jubilee years, God has given to man an earth lease of 6,000 years. So that also kind of sheds more light on the earth lease that God has given to man. We talked about uh, in Mark 12, Jesus talked about uh, you know, the vineyard and the wicked people where he referred to the earth lease. Uh, let's move on today. I'm not sure exactly. I know generally where we left off. But we know that Adam sold out to the devil. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, uh, refers to Satan as the god of this world, the little god of this world. So if he... If, if Adam subleased the earth to Satan and Satan became the little god of this world, that means Adam was the original god of this world under the authority of God. Under the authority of God, Adam was the little god that, that had authority on the earth and was given rulership and dominion over the earth under the authority of God. We also know from... Uh, Matthew 4, and I think it's in one of the other Gospels as well. You remember the um, temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Satan said, um, uh, you know, he tempted him with various things, and he said, if you will just bow down and worship, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and said, if you will just bow, bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Now, some people have said, well, the devil's a liar. He, he just lied to Jesus. He couldn't do that. Well, he, he obviously could do it, or it wouldn't have been a temptation to Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have been tempted if it was a lie. You know, Jesus would have known whether or not he was lying. So, uh, when, it, when he, and one translation says, if you will just worship me one time, I will give you all of these kingdoms. So, Satan, it was Satan's to give because he tempted Jesus with it and, and what he was doing was providing an alternative for Jesus not to have to go to the cross and go through what he went through. He said to, to Jesus it was a temptation. Hey, I can, have, I can have all this without having to go to the cross and I can bypass all that suffering. So, in that sense, it was a temptation to Jesus, but praise God, he, he resisted it. So, uh, Adam subleased the earth to Satan. But the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father until his enemies are made his footstool. And the earth lease will run out and Jesus will come back to earth when his enemies are put under his feet. We're the body of Christ. The feet are in the body. Jesus is the head. And Jesus is going to stay seated at the right hand of the Father until the church puts Satan underfoot. So we have to exercise our authority and dominion. And Jesus is waiting for us to put Satan underfoot. 
Now I mentioned last time the awkward position that God was in. Uh, because even though he, he owned the earth, when Adam subleased it to Satan, God could not just come intervene in his divine power because of what he had said to Adam in Genesis 1.26. He, he created man in his own image and he gave him dominion, have dominion over the earth, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and so forth. So God gave the earth lock, stock, and barrel to Adam. So when Adam subleased it to the devil, that's the last thing in the universe God wanted, but he couldn't just come intervene in his divine power because of what he had, the authority he had given to Adam. The dust of the earth didn't belong to God anymore. He couldn't come create another man. So he, God had to begin... The only way he could legally get back and operate into the earth again legally without the devil accusing him of lying was to begin to make covenants with men. So he made a covenant with Noah, he made a covenant with Abraham and so forth so that it gave God a legal way. God had a link with somebody on earth that enabled God to operate in the earth through that man and he could do it legally, and the devil wouldn't accuse him of being a liar and taking his word back. Now, some things God has the power to do, but he cannot do because he has limited himself to his word. And that's why today we don't, we don't see, you know, God, you know, some people pray, Oh, why didn't God do something about the terrorists? Why didn't God do something about sickness and evil and evil people and all this? It's because exactly what we're talking about. This earth, the earth lease is, hasn't expired yet. And it's still been given to men. And as Christians, we're the one with the authority on this earth. And we're the ones that's supposed to be doing something about the evil spirits. And, and the wickedness in the world. And if we don't take authority over them, they're going to run rampant. Because God cannot physically come back down here and intervene in His divine power because He has invested His authority in us until the earth lease runs out. And until then, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for the church to put the devil underfoot. Is that... Do you, under, you understand what I'm saying, okay? Now, people talk about, well, God is sovereign. He can do anything. He has the ability to do anything, but because He's limited Himself to His Word. He will not break His Word. He's not a liar. So, he would have given us the power, hasn't He? Yes. Yeah, and he's, he's, that's why He's expecting the church to start getting this info and start using it. You know, instead of just bombarding God to do something. We're the ones that's got the authority. We've got the name of Jesus. We've got the Word of God. And He's expecting us to use it. Um, and we can certainly use our authority through prayer. But just bombarding and begging God to do something when He's given us the authority to do it is going at it the wrong way. You know, He's saying, I've already given you the name of Jesus. I've already given you the Holy Spirit. You know, I've already given you authority over demons and Satan. 
use it. You know, sometimes because Christians don't know how to use it and they don't know we're supposed to use it, that's why things are out of culture and the devil continues to run rampant. Unless we take authority, us who know how to do it, we're, we're, the responsibility is ours. And so we've got to teach other believers what our position is and that we're the ones supposed to be taking authority over the devil. Uh, we talked about Psalm 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than Elohim and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. So you see the the position that we actually have on the earth. Now let's move on today uh, and we're going to look at some more interesting things. Jesus was the Son of God born in the earth, but He operated on the earth with the authority of a man. I'm going to say that again. Jesus was the Son of God, but He operated on the earth as the Son of Man. In the book of Matthew alone, I counted 30 times that Jesus referred to Himself as the Son of Man. He lived perfect and upright under the Old Covenant, and no man had ever been able to do that before. Jesus was the Son of God, but His authority in the earth did not come from being the Son of God, it came from being born here as a man. And that's what I want to look uh, that's what I want us to look at today. His ability to heal the sick, cast out demons, came from being anointed by God. It didn't come because he was the son of God, even though he was the son of God. Now, and we're going to look at some scriptures. So, where did Jesus receive this anointing? Let's turn to Luke 3. Luke 3. Twenty-one. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also, being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon Him. Underline the words, upon Him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and Thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, and so forth. Now, his ability or power to work miracles and destroy the works of the devil did not come because he was the son of God. It came because he was anointed by God. Now, turn the page to Luke 4.18 and Jesus himself is going to confirm this. Uh, Jesus 
in the synagogue, he deliberately turned to Isaiah chapter 61. He didn't just uh, randomly open the scrolls and start reading something. He knew exactly what he wanted to read. He found himself in the Old Testament, and he began to read about himself from the Old Testament, which is all they had at the time, was the Old Covenant. And he began to read about himself in Isaiah 61. This was a prophecy concerning himself hundreds of years earlier. And he says in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Underline the words, upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Bible teachers tell us that the acceptable year of the Lord is referring to the Jubilee, the Jubilee year. And Jesus is saying to these people, I am the Jubilee and I am, I am come, I am here. Everybody's going to be free. The blind man's going to see, the poor man's not going to be poor anymore, the brokenhearted are going to be healed. He was saying, I am your Jubilee. Now, here where he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, this indicates an endowment of the Holy Spirit on one to do supernatural work. This is how Jesus received the power or ability to do these things he was called to do. Now, I'll just share this little side point with you. I cannot prove it from the Bible. And I, and I don't remember now where I heard this, but I heard a Bible teacher refer to it. I don't know if it was Billy Graham or who it was. I can't remember right offhand. I don't know. It may be something that's been passed down through the Jewish sages. Maybe something in the, you know, uh, Old Testament oral tradition or something. But I can't prove it from the Bible, so don't take this as a gospel, okay? It's just an interesting Thing. But when it says here, verse 20, And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now this tradition that's been passed down says that there in the synagogue there was an empty chair. You know, like there was a, there was a certain arrangement, you know, in the synagogue where everything had a meaning and all this. And there was an empty chair that was reserved for the Messiah because the Jews still believe the, the Messiah hasn't come and they're still waiting for the Messiah. And that's what these people back then believed. They were still waiting for the Messiah. And there was a Messiah standing right in front of them and they didn't even recognize him. But this interesting tradition says that there was a seat reserved for the Messiah in the synagogue. And when Jesus finished reading this prophecy about himself in Isaiah 61, he closed the scroll, he gave it back to the minister, and it says he sat down. And the tradition says he walked over and he sat down in that chair reserved for the Messiah. 
Now that would explain why it says all the eyes of everybody was fixed upon him. Now don't you know that shook some people up because nobody, nobody ever in history had ever walked over and sat down in that chair. And that's one of the things that made them so mad. You can understand why that wouldn't have made them so mad. How dare this, how dare this newcomer, this upstreet preacher come in here and sit down in the chair reserved for the Messiah. It's like in, in Brussels, complete counterfeit. They, they, they all seats numbered and they've got to see their 666, which has never been sat in. And they you know, say there's reserved for the, you know, the Antichrist. Oh, right. So it's a counterfeit of the synagogue or whatever. Like I said, I can't prove it from the Bible, but it, it's very interesting, and it would certainly explain why it says the eyes of all them were fastened upon him, because yeah. you know that shook some people up, if, if, that, if that is indeed what happened, that Jesus walked over and sat down in that chair. If Jesus was here on the earth operating in his divine power, why did he have to be anointed by the Holy Spirit? There wouldn't have been any reason to anoint him with the Holy Spirit if he was here on the earth operating in his divine power and he could just cast out demons and heal the sick because he was the Son of God operating as God through his divine power. There would have been no reason for God to anoint him. Jesus had been the Son of God for 30 years up until this time. He was just as much the Son of God when he was 2 years old. He was just as much the Son of God when He was 15. He was just as much the Son of God when He was 29. But the Bible does not record that He ever performed one miracle up to that time. Now, there, there are some weird, uh, you know, fables and fairy tales going around in some of these some books that says oh, when Jesus was five years old he found these little birds on the ground that had a broken wing and he prayed for them and they were healed and all this and he had all this healing ability when he was five years old and all this that's a load of hogwash I don't, somebody just made that up Jesus never performed he never healed the sick he never cast out a demon until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do so he was just as much the Son of God when he was seven as he, as he was when he was 30. But it was only after he was anointed by the Holy Spirit that we began to see him healing the sick, casting out demons, destroying the works of the devil. Now, what, what was the difference? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. That was... Which is what we've got now. Amen. Amen. You're right, you're right. You know where we're headed. Yeah. Don't you, Ann? You all know where we're headed with this. Jesus had to be born with a flesh and blood body to have authority in the earth. Yeah. He had to be born of a virgin or He would have been like every other fallen man. Jesus called Himself the Son of Man. Now let's turn over to John 5.
John 5.26 For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment. Isn't that what we just read the, authority, the definition of authority a few minutes ago? To execute judgment for or against something. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man doesn't say because he's the Son of God, even though he was the Son of God. It says this authority has been given to him to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Now, Jesus related to man. Jesus had authority not because he was God's Son, but because he was the Son of Man. He was the Son of God, born on earth as a man. He got tired like a man. He got hungry like a man. He got sleepy like a man. Because he was on earth as a man. And he's coming back as a man. Turn to Matthew 24. <coughs> Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So over, I counted at least 30 times in Matthew, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. Let's turn to Philippians 2. <coughs> Philippians 2, 7. <coughs> Does anybody have the Amplified Bible? Yes. You do? Okay. Yeah, I do at home too. Yeah, let me read it from the King James first. Uh, Philippians 2. Who, number, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now what does the Amplified? It says, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which made God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. <coughs> Uh, in verse 7 and, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or slave in that he became like men and was born a human being okay uh, this Amplified expands it a little more uh, and sheds a little more light on it it says he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity 
Jesus left behind in heaven. When Jesus came to the earth, he left behind in heaven all of his divine attributes and divine privileges and divine power. And he came to earth as a man. That's why he had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus stripped himself of that divine power and became a man. Now, let's turn back to Acts 10. This is going to confirm Luke 4.18. This is going to confirm Luke 3. It's It's in agreement with those scriptures. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. God anointed Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. We just read from Philippians, Jesus left behind his divine powers and attributes in heaven and he came to earth as a man. His power and ability came because he was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had full power as a man and the ability of God to execute judgment for use and against the devil. Let's turn to 1 John. This is a little different from what religion teaches, isn't it? That, um, well, you know, Jesus was the Son of God and nobody could ever do what He did. Uh, Well, we're finding out that he, He intends for us to do exactly what Jesus did. That's why we we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's why the devil had a heart attack on the day of Pentecost. He couldn't handle one Jesus. He couldn't handle one Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, before the day was over with, there were 3,000 more just like him, born on the earth. 3,000 more added to the church on the day of Pentecost. Now he's got 3,000 people filled anointed by the Holy Spirit and they're going to start doing what Jesus did. The the devil couldn't even handle Jesus. Now he's got 3,000 more born again in one day and God's still adding to the church. Amen? The problem is those people back there they knew. They knew they had authority Uh, and somewhere down the line Religion has substituted the Word of God for religious tradition and just told us, well, God healed the sick because He was the Son of God and you're not the Son of God, so you know we're not the Son of God and we don't have the divine power Jesus had, so you know we can't, we can't expect to do what Jesus did. Well, Jesus said Himself, greater works than these The works I do, you shall do also in greater works than these because I go to the Father. Jesus Himself expects us to be doing this. And that's what we're seeing from the Word. He didn't do it because He was the Son of God. 
He had the ability to do it because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And that's available to all of us, just like Anne said. So this is not what religion teaches. We're seeing what the Word of God teaches. 1 John 3, 8. Uh, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. It was because Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and power that gave him the ability to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to earth to get back everything Satan had stolen from Adam. Yes, Jesus was the Son of God. Yes, he was deity. But he did not operate on earth in his divine power. He performed miracles by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's available to you and me today. Now, religion does not teach this. Religion says, well, one day in glory, we'll have our little cabin in heaven and we'll be just like him, you know, but until then, just forget it. Nobody's, you know, nobody can be like Jesus. Well, in 1 John, turn over the page to 1 John 4. What does, you know, what does God say about this? What does he expect? 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that is not what religion teaches. That one day when you get to heaven, you'll have authority over the devil. What good is it going to do? He isn't going to be there. You know... Now's where he's here and we're here. Now's when we need this authority. Now's we have it and and we need to start exercising it on him instead of waiting till we get to heaven for everything to be perfect, you know, for everything for us to have any kind of victory. Religion just puts everything off till you get to heaven. You know, you'll be healed when you get to heaven, you know, you'll have you'll won't have any more trouble. You know, it just puts any kind of victory and any kind of blessing off into the future. It was either all in the, uh, you know, in Jesus' day, or it's either all in the future. But for today, it, it it just acts like we have no hope. We have no recourse. We're just victims of circumstance. But one day, it'll all be... You know, all be wonderful when we get to heaven. This says, because as he is, so are we in this world now. This is not, it doesn't say when we get to heaven. In this world now. Now, let's turn to John 10. John 10. I'll go just a little bit. You just opened the door for me, so when, later on when you finish, remind me of it. I'm, I'm well. excited. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say something real quickly before no, we turn no, to you jump? No, you finished. Okay. No, no, I can wait. Okay. 
Let's turn to John 10. John 10, verse 1. We're going to see some more here. Jesus is going to shed some more light on authority. Authority of man. And his authority. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now here, Jesus is referring to the devil, demons, and evil spirits. When he says, uh, He that doesn't enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbed in some other way, he's a thief and a robber. Jesus is talking about the devil, demons, and evil spirits. Verse 2, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. Then he goes on down in verse 7, and says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, here we have two doors. We have the word door used twice. But this is not the same door. This is two different doors. Now, in verse 1, he says, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. Now, what does a door represent? A door represents entry into something, doesn't it? It's a legal entry. If you come in the door of this building out here, you have entered this building legally. Okay? I entered legally because I have the key to the front door. And all of you came through the front door and you have entered this building legally. Now, if somebody breaks in the window over there, and they climb in the window, and they come in this building some other way, they have entered this building illegally. They're a thief and a robber. Okay? Now, so the door represents the legal entry into something, and the sheepfold represents the earth. Not heaven. The sheepfold in verse 1 is referring to the earth. And Jesus says, He that entereth not by the door into the earth, but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. Now, in verse 2, Jesus referred to himself, he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now Jesus is referring to himself. Jesus the shepherd has a legal right to be in the sheepfold. Jesus has a legal right to be on the earth. You and I have a legal right to be on the earth because the door to this earth that's legal entry into this earth is to be born here. You and I are legally on this earth because we were born here. Being born of a woman gives us the legal right to reside on this earth. Just like if you have a British passport 
You have the legal right to live in this country. That's your legal right. And if anybody tries to tell you you don't have a right to be here, all you have to do is wave your passport. So you're a citizen of Great Britain. Now those of us who were not born here, we had to get it some other way. Okay? Because I was not born here. So I had to get it another way. And there are other avenues you have to go through and you have to fulfill all this criteria to get it. But you didn't have to do that. You were born here. Now, Jesus is saying, Satan was not born here. Okay? You and I were born here. Jesus was born here. That's why Jesus had to be born as a man on the earth to give him the legal right to be here and destroy the works of the devil. Satan entered the earth some other way. He was not born here. He's a created being. Therefore, he has no legal right and authority He has no right to exercise any authority on this earth because he was not born here. You and I were born here. We have a legal right to exercise authority. And because we're born again and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to exercise that authority on him. Okay? You're still with me. Now, verse... Three, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Jesus says, anyone who comes in the sheepfold any other way than by the door is illegal, and he's up to no good. Then in verse 10, he says, the thief cometh not before to kill, steal, and destroy. So Jesus uses the word door in both verses. The first door represents legal entry into the earth. Pull that chain on the side over there, uh, Peter. The first door represents legal entry into the earth, and that's to be born here. Now, any spirit being that enters this planet any other way can do very little on earth because he does not have authority here. That's why Satan had to borrow the body of a serpent in order to approach Adam and Eve because he didn't have any other way to do it. He, he, that's why he has to possess a body somehow to work through and to get his work done on the earth because he himself doesn't have any authority here. That's why God needs us here. It's to work through us. We're the ones with the authority here. And if anything of God is going to get done, we're going to have to do it. That means we're going to have to hear from God and we're going to have to obey God. So just like Satan has to use people to get his work done, God has to use people to get his work done. Now, turn back a few pages to John 3. And this shares a little bit sheds a little bit more light. John 3, 3. This is, we're all familiar with this, where Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see 
the kingdom of God. Let's go, uh, well, yeah, verse 5. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The legal entry into earth is to be born of the flesh. That's what Jesus is saying. The legal entry into the kingdom of God is to be born of the Spirit. And when Nicodemus said, well, how can I go back and be born again of my mother? Jesus says, that's not what I'm talking about. You, you were born of your mother that gave you legal entry into the earth. In other words, flesh gives birth to flesh. What's born of the flesh um, is flesh, and what's born of the Spirit is spirit. He says, I'm not talking about being born again in the flesh. I'm talking about being born of the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And the legal entry into the kingdom of God is to be born again of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus. Satan is illegal to this planet with no authority, but has lorded it over God's heritage by fear and deception to convince us that he's the big devil with the big power. Satan is no match for any Christian born of the Spirit of God who knows his right standing with God. So, back over here, kind of didn't finish what I, where I was in John 10. Uh, in verse 7 he says verily I say unto you I am the door of the sheep so Jesus the first door is to be born here on earth which gives us legal entry into the earth the second door is Jesus and he's saying I'm the door that gives you entry into the kingdom of God. So, you know, their religion teaches, oh, there are many ways to God, and, you know, you can't just say Jesus is the only way and all this. Well, Jesus said he was the only way. He said, no man comes to the Father but by me. And he's saying here, I am the door of the sheep. And the sheep hear my voice. In the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. Jesus is the door of legal entry into the kingdom of God, and there is no other way to get in there. Now, there are some things we need to understand about the authority God has given us. We have a flesh and blood physical body, which gives us authority. We read 1 John 3 8 that said, Jesus had the authority to destroy the works of the devil because he was born here. He was a legal resident. Jesus did not destroy the works of the devil until he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the River Jordan. Because Jesus was born here with a flesh and blood body and lived perfect and upright under the Old Covenant, it was legal for God to anoint him to heal the sick, cast out demons, and destroy the works of the devil. 